Welcome to the Imperfect Game Podcast. I'm Sean Melia, and today I am Boff alongside to talk about Sheffield Wednesday, their heroes and villains. Boff, how are you out there? Yeah, I'm good. I'm just plugging into my computer right now and running my hands through my hair. Um, I've got, I mean, you guys didn't know how, how, what I look like, but I've got this fro right now that is like a blend between a, a Valderrama and a Fellaini. <laughs> Yeah. So you so, have you, there's no one uh, in your life that you trust to cut your hair. N- no. No. <laughs> no. I'm in the same boat. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I'm 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 going between two different decades and two, two different eras. Um and and yeah, I I I, I want to say I look like you know Gwendozi, but I don't look anywhere near that cool. It's just this un I don't know uncontrollable uh, chaos. Yeah. Yeah, you're not the only one. I shaved for the first time the other day, and uh, uh, I had to go out on my on my little deck and get the first the first wave of of hair off so it didn't clog up my <laughs> my right. drain. Facial hair or or facial hair. hair? Yeah, facial hair. So my hair, like my hair on the top of my head, is is probably the longest it's been since uh, I would say like high school, college, when you just just didn't want to get a haircut. Yep. Um, so it's like almost I can almost I kind of put it in a almost in a ponytail. Wow. Um, especially on like the top of my head, it's it's uh, it's pretty long. So can't wait yeah. can't wait to get at it get out of this quarantine and and clean up a little bit. But you gotta keep that at least until the quarantine is over. Yeah, I, I won't get a cut. I don't I don't. Uh, I've seen enough. I've seen enough nightmares on the internet of of people who let their wives or girlfriends cut their hair and i love my wife dearly but i've told her um my it's too long i like i understand people whose hair was is kind of short and they could just get a clippers out and cut it but mine is i've gone past that point where it would be manageable for someone who doesn't know how to cut hair to cut to cut my hair yeah it would be a mess i I, i'm from a, a world where i've i've only trusted i think four people in my life ever to cut my hair um, like my barber is the one guy that, that I trust right now. And, and he's, you know, he's at home, so no one's gonna touch my hair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get some, some, uh, some headbands and, and like hair ties soon <laughs> to tame this thing. But yeah, so that's, 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 that's how I'm doing right now, man. Yeah. Yep. Just hanging in there. Hope everyone is staying safe and listening to the people who matter. And, uh, it's really it feels like it's getting to the point where people are are starting to lose their mind a little bit which which I guess yeah. I understand. We got a bunch yeah. of I got a bunch of buddies who just want to play golf and Massachusetts is now the only state in the entire country that is not allowing golf to be played. Um as of this recording, it's Wednesday wow. Wednesday night at 9:15, but apparently there's supposed to be an announcement uh tonight that golf courses can open. Um starting tomorrow but we will we'll see if that actually happens wow yeah so people are getting antsy and itchy to just to like have little things to keep their mind occupied while they're dealing with kids and family and being cooped up in a house which is understandable so yeah so let's talk about sheffield wednesday on a wednesday yeah that's actually great timing for our pod yeah, it's it's uh, it's perfect. It will not come out on a Wednesday, but we're talking about it on a on a Wednesday night. Um, I believe when we did our our podcast about the history of this team, the Wednesday name came because they played on Wednesday nights. Uh, so they just they just decided, well, let's call ourselves Sheffield Wednesday. Um, so I was in charge of the hero this week, which puts you in charge of the villain, and in uh, in accordance with the, with uh, tradition. That means you have to start so we can cleanse our palate with, with the hero that we all deserve. Um, <laughs> yeah. At <laughs> Sheffield Wednesday, who is, um, who is a great hero. <laughs> yeah. I, so yeah, in, in my, in my, in my search, in my kind of research for, um, for this kind of bad guy, um, I, I look back at, at our pod and, and, and what we discussed as kind of like the, the here and the here and now, um, or sorry, the, the past and present. And, 
I wasn't quite satisfied or I wasn't quite sold just yet. I did a little more digging and I found Steve Bruce as um as a name that popped up and and someone called him a twat and I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> Let, let's let's dig around a little bit more. And I I really wanted to to go you know to go and give Steve Bruce his his half an hour of fame on our podcast just because he's popped up so many times. But really, uh, just I don't know. I, I I couldn't find enough enough venom and ammo to to make him an outright villain. I think he's just kind of that guy that is just I don't know, like taking shits on your lawn. Like it's not really like a bad a bad person or someone who's like going down as like infamous in, in your club history. Just someone that you just don't like. He, um, he also has a. I've heard a lot of people say what a what a good guy he is. Right. Um, I, I think he makes funny decisions as far as loyalty to clubs and he makes, I, I just don't think he necessarily cares about um, who he manages or the choices that he makes or when he leaves. But like people in, who played with him in, in United in the late eighties, early nineties said he was a fan. He was captain. He was like, just everyone loved him. So I can understand it being tough to find him as a villain. Yeah. It, I it just, I mean, I think I could have I could have put together some kind of you know villainous uh, resume for Steve Bruce, but it it, was, it felt a little bit empty and and honestly like um, I I think he's just one of those characters that that is going down in in uh, soccer folklore um, and I think it's going to be more for just kind of the, the positive stuff and not 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 really his his villain nature. Yeah. Um, but actually, so yeah, I you know for me the villain. The villain takes us off the field for this episode. Um, takes us to the owners and people uh, wearing the, the suit and ties at the, at the club. Um, and I think we we, we all remember uh, Chan Siri's uh, um, stunt of selling the club to himself. Yes, and to himself. And we will get into that later um, uh, because actually there is some movement where uh, Sheffield might actually get found guilty about some improper acts. But there's been this trend of of owners that just haven't been competent or haven't been real successful in in their approach to um, getting Wednesday out of you know out of the, the lower leagues, um, and I I will say that it's Dave Allen as as the the main villain, but I think that the dark cloud that's over Wednesday right now or that's over Wednesday right now as is more. It's linked to to even before Dave Allen as our primary villain. Um, I've got it here opened up an article uh, talking about Dave Richards. And before I go into that, um, I found a, I found a, a quote off of off of this uh, Sheffield Wednesday fan forum. I think it was Reddit. I think it was actually the same Reddit that you and I looked at. Um, but uh, the quote goes: "Villain would be Dave Richards." Um, fucked us up financially and then left us in the shit to line his own pockets with the prem job he got. All right, that that caught my eye, so I, I looked into that a little bit more, um, and and found that uh, this guy Dave Richards, um, you know, is is uh, chairman of of, uh, of the Owls, um, and is slowly just driving down, uh, you know, Sheffield Wednesday into the dirt. Um, Wednesday owed uh, millions of dollars um, to. Uh, banks and loans that they just couldn't pay. Um, and ultimately it led to, um, it led to them being, uh, accused of, of trading insolvently and, and were probably practicing some pretty, um, shady, shady, uh, financial, um, maneuvers and moves. Um, and then eventually the, the league stepped in and, and just said, uh, you've got to put this club up for sale. Um, and, and you gotta, you have, so and so amount of time to to get in some other other um, potential uh, buyers to um, to save the club, and so while I, I, I can get into the whole uh, the whole history of, about this, um, the short of it is just that Dave Richards drives his club down, and and then um, one of the things that pops up is Dave Allen, who, who comes up with enough money. To, to take on the uh, on the debt, uh, Dave Allen is a casino owner in um, in Sheffield, and came up with um, I want to say 
just around $3 million to step in and, and cover all the expenses and, and all, all of that. So Dave Allen steps in um, around 2000, uh, the, the year 2000, and, and becomes um, the, the, the main guy at Sheffield. Uh, Dave Allen is... I, I couldn't really get too much out of him, really, but he 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 owns um, he owns this uh, this firm, and then also runs uh, casinos across England, um, and he owns uh, a a racing track. So he's just kind of got a guy that's this like this businessman um, who is becoming the this this big this big power financially in, in England, and and he takes up Sheffield Wednesday. Um, He's he's among the main board members in 2000, and, and then slowly becomes uh, the the main guy, the uh, the chair in in, in 03. Um, and Alan really just uh, was an English version, a Sheffield version of of Chancery, of not really knowing what to do and, and how to run a club. Um, he goes in there and and he. He strikes up all these different um, disputes and uh, disputes and and um, kind of like petty petty fights with with any any manager that that has come through, um, and really just didn't support the manager at all and, and was was too much in, in the limelight, too much in in the in, a, in center stage for um, an owner to be considered somebody who's doing the right job. I, I think we both know that as 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 soon as we hear an owner's name. More often than we hear uh, the coach or the player, or even even on par with the player, um, we're in kind of a, a bad situation. I, I think you know the more behind the scenes an owner is, the the better it has been. At least that's, that's what history has proven. Um, Allen has uh, you know kind of stepped in and, and said, "I'm I'm I'm big guy here. I'm it's it's kind of my way or the highway," and and has fired. And sacked um, popular managers and fired and sacked um, you know managers because they 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 didn't really run the team how he thought it it should be run. And again, uh, for somebody without a footballing background, somebody without like a, an experience in in soccer and, and and how things work and how dynamics work within a team or within the coaching staff, it's it's really dangerous to to get involved in in, in that. Um, and then, also on the flip side too, is, is if you do, if you don't have any touch or any pulse on how team dynamics work and how coaching staff dynamics work, uh, chances are you don't really have a pulse on how fan support and fan connections work either. Um, for me, one of the best one of the best uh, uh, villain moments for for Dave Allen as as our as our big bad guy is is this infamous rant that, that was, was referenced all, all across the, the internet when talking about villains. And I'm going to load up right here the, the, um, the clip, and it's, it's just it's, it's a little bit hard, hard to hear, and it's a little bit um, tough audio, but hopefully it works. It's easy. Here we go. Scum. Scum. So he calls uh, the fans, uh, the fans at Sheffield Wednesday, uh, scum, yobs, and cretins or cretins. I'm not sure what a yob is, Sean. If you could enlighten me a little bit on that, I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna look it up right now. Um, Yob. Yeah, Yob. A rude, S. noisy, aggressive young person. Okay. So okay. it's not as a. Uh, it's not as I guess nasty as, <laughs> but it's a, it's a new word for everyone out there. It's it's a it's an informal British term, yob. Yeah, it's a. I mean, I I, I personally, I don't think I, I would get offended by that. But um, if this, this is coming, about, you know, from from uh, a chairman from from a guy that's that's the face and, and the leader of a, of a club, that's just poor poor management. Um, and especially, you know, you can see the clip. Um, it's it's him at a, at a press conference, and I, yeah, I, it doesn't look great. But this is as high profile as it gets when it comes to press conferences back in the day, in two thousand. Um, 
in front of the entire media, you've got this chairman, uh, suit and tie, and just responding to um, you know fan criticism. Sheffield Wednesday wasn't doing well at the time; they they were struggling for results. Um, they you know they historically just haven't haven't had success that they can be happy about. Um, they were also and- just coming. I'm looking at I'm looking at their '90s performance. They were in the Premier League from '92 through. They were relegated. Um, in 2000. Right. Um, which was when he came in. And they haven't been back since to the Premier and League. And so Dave Allen is, is feeling the pressure and, and, and he's he's feeling a little bit of that heat of, of having to um, having to lift uh, Sheffield Wednesday back back into into a level uh, that, that fans approve of. Um, and just, just couldn't handle it. Um, and so... You know, while I think it's okay to to have some frustrations, and I think it's okay to to feel a little bit of of uh, of anger towards fans, and 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 especially fans can be brutal, especially in, in the Midlands. Um, you know, coming in, uh, coming in, and just a year into your in, into your projects, that's just not that's just no way to to lay, lay the groundwork for for future success and future um, you know uh, happy times. So he goes out there, and, and and the fans all all hear this, and and they respond in, in a way that was just so much more professional than than Dave Allen even even um, came close to, um, and just a, a little bit of uh, some some uh, some quotes from, from the fans. Um, Dave Allen responded by slating the club's fan as cretins, yobs, or cretins, yobs, gum, and even referring to one fan. Uh, as a venomous bitch, surely no supporter or indeed human being can consider this behavior befitting of a club chairman. Um, numerous times Wednesday, Wednesdayites have tried to arrange open chats with board members with regard to club's future, and numerous times have been rejected by the board. So, you know, a, a, a trend that I'm picking up on, a trend that I, 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 I we see. Um, Continue into into the, the later years in, in the and, and modern times is, is just this separation and, and disconnect between fan and fan and uh, and board. Um, looking back at you know for me I I'll, I'll never stop singing praises of, of, of Lester and um, and Vishai, but it, there's there's this needed level of, of discourse between between the parties. You and I just finished um, Sunderland till I die season two, and, and we. Well, I can't remember the, the owners' names. Uh, we saw how much it meant to fans to have an owner sit down and, and show their face and 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 have open conversations and show who they are, and kind of bridge that gap or or short you know shorten that distance between between two worlds that in the past have never really crossed or have never really kind of coexisted. But now, you know, we're we're looking at a different era where people need that connection. People need that face to face time. Um, and there's just no worse way to 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 blow all that up than than to just you know name call in, in the media. Um, he's for me. I just I, I I don't think this is horrible per se for someone to just name call somebody in the media. I I do think he becomes the the Sheffield Wednesday villain because of the lack of success. It's, it's one thing if you, if you're, you know, Roman Abramovich leading your team to title off the title, uh, and then, and then going out and, and kind of just like shaming your fans. It's another when when you're just driving your club further and further down into, into the depths of, of lower league football, where everybody's coming into you and, and you're, you know, Sheffield Wednesday's only bit of success was, was a, was a cup tie against, against Sheffield United where, where they, you know, they beat them one nil. Um, and that's kind of all they have to, to, to hang their hats on uh, when it comes to um, proud moments, happy moments. Um, I mean, winning winning cures all. Winning cures all, and and for, and for Wednesday, it's it's very very few and far between. Um, so this this continues. This this uh, you know tumultuous affair continues for an, another uh, six five or six years, and um, at the end of of his time in two thousand seven. Uh, Dave Allen resigns from from Sheffield Wednesday, um, and 
in his letter, you know, he, he tries to, to write something that is, is well-measured and well-worded, but it, it really just, um, it, it kind of just points fingers and it, it, it doesn't really show, show a guy that, uh, was ever fit to run a club, um, uh, at any level, let alone, let alone a, a professional club. Um, he says, this has not been an easy, easy decision. It has always been my passion and desire to see the club back in the premier division. However, recent events have really sickened me and the final straw has broken the camel's back. That in itself right there, it just shouldn't come in, in like in a letter to, to fans. You already, you're already starting from, you know, from, uh, I mean, you're already on, on, on the fans bad side and, and, and just to kind of, Further, further, you know, stir the pot of, of using words like as if he was uh, betrayed. Um, he says it's to realize that confidential boardroom matters have been discussed with outside parties. It is totally unacceptable. With I could deal with the matter at board level, I decided that enough is enough. To run any business successfully, you must be you must have confident confidentiality in the boardroom and trust your fellow directors. Um, he goes on to say, finally, I have to say that it is a sad day for me. As chairman of the club, I've put a lot of time, effort, and money into getting the business right on track and believe that I have achieved that goal. Therefore, I'm sorry to be leaving, but I just cannot come to terms with some of the unprofessional behavior surrounding the business. And right there, unprofessional behavior for me is very ironic coming from a guy who uh, has has come out and just, and just um, name-called and pointed fingers all, all his time um, at, at, at board level for the club. Um he pops on over to Chesterfield. Chesterfield is just, uh, I think, a few miles up the road um, from from Sheffield, and he drives that club further down, uh, you know, their own drain too. So um, does he become chairman at Chesterfield? Yes. So wow. he took, so, he, so he, he just couldn't yeah. stop. <laughs> um, so right after right after he left, uh, or right after he turned in that that. Um, that letter of, of resignation, he he sells off his share to uh, to new owner um, uh, Milan Mandaric, and in '09, April '09, he invested about four million of his own money in Chesterfield while keeping some shares in Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, three years later, in 2012, he takes over as chairman of, of Chesterfield. While the club did see some initial success, um, that was before kind of his his uh venom sunk in and and slowly kind of polluted and, and poisoned the rest of the rest of the club um he drove such a field down uh and and pretty much uh, drove him into further debt um just were then were then left to get relegated from from league one after finishing 24th um he he just he just is is a guy that just does not know how to manage soccer soccer teams, uh, and I think what we're seeing is while you don't have to be an expert uh, at soccer uh, and tactics and and you know um, be this guru when it comes to to football knowledge, it, you have to have some level of of humanity and some level of of desire to connect with fans. And when you break that trust, when you break that that potential to to, to build community, um, you're inevitably going to, going to drive, you know, drive a club, um, you know, to, to unhappy times. Um, the hardest, the hardest thing about, about soccer ownership, I think is really knowing when to, to, to step back and knowing when to, to say enough is enough. I'm going to, I'm going to keep my mouth shut and let the coach and the team do their jobs. Um, Dave Allen like medals and, and messes around with managers and players at uh, at Chesterfield, and we we see a, a, a similar trend where um, he just can't shut up. He just he can't he can't uh, stay out of the limelight just because of his own ego. Um, finally, in uh, in 2017 at Chesterfield, he sells the club and um, sells it to the, the Chesterfield Community Trust. Uh, just shy after his uh, his successful sale of of the club, he's voted worst ever uh, manager in the UK. Um, and <laughs> here's 
here's here's the article right here from Derbyshire Times. Chesterfield's Dave Allen responds to being named the worst owner in English football <laughs> fan survey. Um, Chesterfield owner has admitted he has made mistakes and says it, it pains him to see the club struggling in, in the National League. So, again, he, he kind of just – it looks like he just copied and pasted his his letter at, at Sheffield uh, and puts it into this, this letter here uh, when, when he's voted uh, worst owner ever. Um, citing the, the article, Mr. Allen has also admitted failure with regard to appointing eight managers in 10 years. Um, eight, eight managers in 10 years. Uh, it sounds like Chelsea. Um Without the trophies, no trophies, and and just you're you're not at, in the Premier League, um, and you're not even fun to watch. You're in the Midlands, and you, you just um, <laughs> you're you're you know uh, your fans are 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 laughing at at themselves. Um, so uh, in the letter, which I'm I'm bringing up right now, um, he says, Alan says. I'm aware of the survey and I'm aware of the dissatisfaction currently shown by fans. I have continuously put money into the club and never stripped assets or sold out the stadium to myself like some owners have done. <laughs> so he, so he, he, uh, he definitely calls out Chan Siri and, and I think it's, it's, uh, you know, it, it's a guy who's drowning and trying to bring someone else down with him. Um, and while he's not wrong, uh, while, while Chan Siri is, is somebody that, that we do, need to keep an eye on um especially as, as this plays out with the whole selling the stadium to himself um it, it just shows a, a a trend of of having no class um he is it, a guy who can't own up to his mistakes and if, if he does he always has some kind of you know second second comment to, to follow up with it sounds um, like uh sounds like our president yeah i mean i didn't want to say it That's um, amazing. but yeah uh, so, you know, he says, he cites how much money he's put into the club. Um, he, he always points it to the money and, and kind of just uses money and uses, um, you know, his investments as, as these validators, uh, as, as to what he's done for the club. Yep. And, and, and we're seeing that money is not everything and, and, and money poorly spent, money poorly, poorly managed is, is, is as bad as, as no money at all. Um, so you know he he says um, eight managers in ten years is a failure, but I did not appoint all of these, and which most of which were, were well received at the time by the fans. Um, he goes on on and on, and it's really just a, a, a sad sad man who uh, has been out of touch um, ever since he be, he became board member at any club um, in his past, um, and so. While one part of me wants to blame Dave Allen as 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 this horrible owner and and somebody who um, succeeded, you know, Dave Richards, uh, another horrible owner. Um, I don't know if, if I can if I can place all blame on on one on one person as as the villain. Uh, he gets a spotlight just just because of his his YouTube rant that that hopefully we can link on on Twitter uh, after this podcast. But it seems to me that there's just this um, genetic uh, code that 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 ties Sheffield Wednesday to, to horrible owners. I mean, how do you move from Dave Richards, who uh, is is driving your your club into insolvency, uh, to Dave Allen, who is um, calling out fans and calling out uh, people at the club by names in the media, and 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 uh, moving further into debt. With, without any success and no, no promotions to Chan Siri who, who brings the club um, to a point where they have to sell, they have to sell their own stadium to themselves. Uh, Chan Siri, we spoke about back in, in the first podcast about Sheffield Wednesday and we laughed at how, how crazy and absurd it was uh, that Wednesday thought it would be a good idea to bounce the books by selling stadium to itself Um and we questioned it, and, and we didn't really know how it was, was going to play out because it was so fresh and so new. Uh, since that recording, that previous recording, we we now have um, investigations on on this on this um, transaction. And if uh, if found guilty, Wednesday could be hit with uh, a twenty one point um, 
uh, deduction, which effectively cancels out their their season if 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 not relegates them um, further down the league. I just don't see how Wednesday come out of the cycle. Um, and while while we do have one name as Dave Allen uh, in in the the role of villain, I, I think for them it's it's the theme of of, of ownership that that they want to point to and, and as their point of dissatisfaction. We we just we just don't know what, what's going to happen with, with, with Wednesday. Um, this time two years from now, this time three years from now, who knows where, where there will be if, if there will even be a club still. Um, fans, you know, fans uh, just laugh at themselves and say, why, you know, why us? Um, this is typical Wednesday. This is, you know, I um, I have here uh, a, a video of, it's titled Worst of Sheffield Wednesday. Um, and if you've got your own PR team, Making a, a three-minute video uh, of of your worst moments, you're you're not really um, you're not really looking at, at, at too many bright days. I, I can't think of any any team in a Premier League that would that would do this. Um, and some of these and some of these misses I, I and and blunders definitely uh, look like a great metaphor for Wednesday's Wednesday's fortunes elsewhere on and off the field. Um, yeah, uh, it's 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 not right. It's it's not right to say that um, one man is responsible for for all of Wednesday's misfortunes, but um, we we do have to look at at uh, you know the the world of, of of soccer management, soccer ownership as a whole, and and just consider um, the, the the criteria of of. Uh, of a man coming into um, into football and managing football, um, there there needs to be some kind of rubric for for somebody coming in. And it can't it can't be oh he has a lot of money he's he's good to go. Um, I don't know how they would do this. I don't know how they how they move forward. But your Wednesday, your Sheffield Wednesday villain this week is Dave Allen. Do. You did he grow up in the in that area of the country? Is he like a Sheffield kid? He is a Sheffield kid. He is he, okay. Yeah, he did not grow up too far away uh, from from um, the Owl Stadium. Uh, he's just he's yeah he's a Sheffield based businessman, um, and you know like like. Um, our our dildo brothers at, at West Ham, uh, you know, had most of his his adult years and, and some of his teenage years in in the area. So yeah. he knows Wednesday. It's, it's not like he's he's um, you know a, a foreign guy coming over from overseas and, and dumping in foreign money. Um, he knows what it means to, to be uh, a Wednesday fan, and it's 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 even more damning to to his um, identity, his his uh, his work. That, that he knows the culture, he knows the club, but yet still is so disconnected. So the uh, the aforementioned Dildo Brothers were the West Ham owners, right? Right. Both name were they uh, Dave Sullivan and David Gold? Yes. So you're just picking on owners named Dave? Is that really? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's. I mean, that's uh, what a great. <laughs> I think I I think I only know. Like one David, I that's a good dude, and like we already gave him a shout out. Um, he was my old science teacher. Mm. Um, but other than that, I can't I can't remember if I if I know like Davids that I like. I've got a couple in my life that are okay, but I think it's funny that that the the three owners that you have uh, picked out as as villains are all named Dave. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, um, there's there's. Dave Gold, Dave Sullivan, Dave Richards, who was before Dave Allen, and Dave, yeah, and, and then uh, uh, Dejvan Chansiri could Dejvan could easily be Dave. <laughs> I, I I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, I guess I'm, I'm picking on Dave, um, but it's there's I mean there's this trend of of, of a rich man named Dave uh, coming in from you know some kind of. Uh, financial background that it's always going to be a little bit shady um 
and then just dumping money in and, and hoping for the best. I know, casinos and uh, adult entertainment. Right, which, yeah, are impure as, as to begin with. Um, and, and in some ways, it's kind of immoral. But, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll give my rating after we hear about the, about the hero. Great. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's funny that you picked a Dave because I've got a David okay. as my hero. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna balance this out a little bit. So I went with I went with David Hurst, uh, who was a striker in the late '80s, early '90s for Sheffield Wednesday. Um, I would say you could probably argue that it is the most successful run of seasons uh, that the club has had since the you know founding days of English soccer. Um, Sheffield Wednesday has won one major trophy since 1935 when they won the FA Cup. Um, and David Hurst was a, was a big reason for it. So I, I, I went on, uh, on Reddit as I do every week and just posed the question, um, looking for a hero and a villain. And um, I, I thought it was funny. One person mentioned a guy I'd never heard of before named Lee Bullen. <laughs> uh, and so Jack... Jack Hunt, 32, wrote, Cult hero is probably Lee Bullen. Shite player, really, but did a decent job for us. Shite spelled S-H-I-T-E, um, but did a decent job for us. Played in every single position and is now a coach with us, having been assistant manager and caretaker manager, too. Um, the next comment was actually from Lee Bullen, <laughs> who wrote, Cheers, Jack. Particularly appreciate the Scottish, the Scottish use of shit after some back and forth. Uh, some Reddit people kind of figured out that it actually was Lee Bullen. So I thought that was that was just a really funny moment that this guy who just got mentioned in a, in a Reddit post showed up and um, said thanks for calling me a shite player and using it Scottish the Scottish version correctly. Um, so maybe we can get Lee on, but he's a Wednesday coach, so I'm sure he's he's probably a little bit tougher to track down than just some guy who played and is uh, is just hanging out. Um, doing his own thing right now. But there were a bunch of players that people brought up. Lee Bullen actually gave some of his own heroes at the club. Um, guys, uh, Chris Turner gave him the opportunity to join the club. Uh, Sean McCauley for bringing him back. Stuart Gray for including him um, with the first team. And he said he had no villain to uh, to pick on. Uh, but that's probably because he was just being nice. Villain, absolutely, without doubt, either Steve Bruce or Dave Allen. So that's, I think, where you got... Maybe where you got your uh, your inspiration. Um, some other names that come up came up as heroes: Carlton Palmer, who was with who was actually a teammate of David Hurst at the same time, and he's involved in a in a pretty phenomenal David Hurst story that I'll tell. Um, some other uh, Mandarich was actually named a hero, um, so he is the one who bought the club from Dave Allen. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Yes. Um, we bought the club for a kind of, a, I mean, when it comes to buying clubs, I, I, I thought the numbers would be a lot higher than, than they are. Yeah, you said $3 million? Yeah. Yeah, I, I wonder if it's, if uh, he might have bought them when they were in League One. Right. Um, so he was a hero, said God's no, uh, one guy wrote, God knows where we would be without him. Um, Graham Hyde as a player was another uh, and then one guy gave a list of Ron Springett, David Ford, Don Megson, Derek Dooley, um, Jack Charlton as a, who was a manager uh, who played with the he played on the 1966 World Cup winning team, brother of Bobby Charlton, uh, Mel Sterland, David Hurst, Chris Waddle, the name I recognized, Roland Nilsson, Des Walker, Trevor Francis, who was a player and manager. So a lot of names and. Uh, David Hurst just kind of became one that I started looking up and he had some pretty, pretty funny stories. He's definitely a cult hero. He, he's in a, he's a little bit of a Yaboa kind of character with who enjoyed a little bit more success. Um, and it was probably it actually, I'd say he's a better player, but, um, a lot of his, his fame just came from his, his, uh, his, he was a phenomenal player, but just a, a big character who loved to drink um, and loved to just kind of enjoy himself. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read a 
a piece from the guardian just to kind of give you a sense of who this guy was. Uh, this is by Daniel Taylor in the guardian. He writes quote, Hearst once held the record for the fastest recorded shot in history, hitting the bar at 114 miles an hour. So I guess we could call that the ultimate thunder bastard. Um, in a game against Arsenal at Highbury in September 1996. His 128 goals for Sheffield Wednesday brought him England caps, the devotion of their supporters, and an unsuccessful attempt from Alex Ferguson to arrange a transfer to Manchester United. That didn't work out too badly for Ferguson, who had to make do with some fellow by the name of Eric Cantona. But it's easy to understand why Hurst is revered at Hillsborough as one of the most popular players ever to wear the club's colors. Ferguson's autobiography sums up what he thought of the player. Quote, I was even keener on Hurst than on Alan Shearer, he writes. So Alex Ferguson loved him, chased him, wanted him to play at United in the early 90s. Uh, and could never get uh, Wednesday to, to give him up. And there's a there's a story about, about Ferguson kind of losing his mind when Wednesday just wouldn't budge on, on a number. So back, uh, just to take a step back. So David Hurst was born in... In 1967, in Barnsley, England, um, his father was a was a miner, worked in the mines, so he had a, just a kind of blue collar uh, upbringing. Um, at the age of 18, he signed with the Barnsley uh, Barnsley club, uh, but was sold after just a season to Sheffield Wednesday for 250,000 uh, pounds because Barnsley was in need of some money. Um, so Hurst shows up at Sheffield Wednesday and just kind of has a, his first year is pretty quiet, just is a sub and kind of earns his way onto the first team in his second season. Uh, he scored 32 goals for the club in 1991 and earned the promotion that year into the first division. Uh, that season as well in 1991, they were the winners of the League Cup, which is which was the first top flight trophy that they had won since 1935. So he, uh, he brought them some, he brought them a trophy, which, uh, which is a big deal at, at Sheffield Wednesday. So Hurst was, uh, playing so well in the early nineties that he did earn some national team attention. He played in 1990 with the England B squad. Uh, he scored two goals and was invited to play with the national team on an Australasian tour where he played in two games. He subbed, He was a substitute in one and started another game, um, and he scored his only English goal on that trip. Um, so Hurst was talented enough, though, that following a game against France in Wembley, which was his uh, third and final game playing for England, uh, he was playing up top with Alan Shearer, and after the game, manager Brian Robson said, quote, it's not a question of who will replace uh, Gary Lineker, but who will partner David Hurst, unquote. Um, so Hurst was playing with Shearer, replacing uh, Gary Lineker, who was injured, and Robson believed that Hurst was going to be the one that would be playing up top, and he'd be having to figure out who was going to play uh, as a partner to David Hurst. So he was he was a phenomenal player. He had a great run. Um, particularly from the 89-90 season. He scored 16 goals. He scored 32 goals in 90-91. He scored 21 goals in 91-92. Um, and then he ended up getting hurt, um, which I will talk about uh, in a little bit. But there is a a story that kind of, I actually, I don't know how what your experience, Both has been like with English newspapers as you've, been trying to like read up on on some of these players either heroes or villains it's i mean i don't know if i can trust i fully trust these newspapers i they're they are so just filled with ads right and you'd read like two lines and then it's a picture and then you scroll through the picture and it's an ad and then there's there's two more lines of text that you read um but there was a there was an article, there was a, a series of articles in the Times, and I wanted to read one because it was just a cult hero. It was it, The series was called Cult Heroes, and they had an article on David Hurst, so I paid the paid the two bucks for uh, a month-long membership, which I'll, I'll go back and cancel, but it was, uh, it was a worthwhile read um, in the Times uh, UK uh, newspaper. And so the story 
um, goes that on New Year's Day 1990, the uh, Wednesday was playing Man City. And as a kind of little celebration, because the players couldn't go out the night before, um, I think it was Ron Atkinson was the manager. And he decided that it would be just a nice little gesture to the players to leave out glasses of champagne at breakfast for the players. And <laughs> a lot of the players did not really feel like they wanted to drink any any champagne before a game. Uh, David Hurst was never one to turn down a drink. And so he decided that he was not only going to drink his glass of champagne, but he was going to drink anyone else who left it behind. So the whole team has their breakfast, uh, goes kind of leaves, and Hurst is just pounding glasses of champagne. Uh, people think he probably had like, you know, eight eight glasses, which I did a little Googling to figure out how many glasses of champagne are typically in just a bottle of champagne. Um, and the, the, the number is anywhere between six to eight, depending on kind of how you pour it, if you really want to make it last. So he drank a bottle of champagne for breakfast with his breakfast. And um, he called it a mind-sweeping operation and, uh, and just, just pounded all of them. <laughs> so uh, Sheffield Wednesday goes to, I think they're in Main Road. I think they're on the, there because they were in a hotel. So they were at Main Road. The Owls ended up winning the game 2-0. Hurst scored one of the goals, uh, most likely a little bit, a little bit tipsy. But the most amazing part of the story is that Hurst also recorded a shutout. So Wednesday's goalie at some point in the game, who was named Kevin Pressman, uh, Pressman got hurt. They did not carry backup a backup goalie, which I guess was a thing back in the 80s and 90s, um, or maybe 70s and 80s. But the it, the explanation was pretty much like most teams back then did not carry two goalies; they just carried one, and uh, if they needed another one, someone would just step in and play goalie. So Pressman goes off and Carlton Palmer, who I mentioned in the Reddit thread, goes to put the jersey on and Hurst apparently sprints across the field, pushes Carlton out of the way, grabs the jersey and throws it on and says, I'll play goalie. He plays goalie. He breaks a finger while playing goalie. He didn't allow a goal. Man City wins 2-0. And then years later, Hurst admitted that he uh, was... Na- quote unquote knackered and the only reason he really needed to play goalie was because there was no way he was going to be able to play any more of the actual game and run around <laughs> <laughs> so so he throws he throws a shutout against man city on new year's day um after drinking uh a, just about a probably a bottle a bottle of champagne which is which kind of just put him into this little it's just a folklore uh good story and speaks to the kind of guy he was. He he definitely liked to drink. Um, once his started to deal with injuries later on in his career, uh, and he was still pretty young, and he was, as he says, single. He would just he would just go to out in Sheffield and drink, and maybe I'm I'm sure he also chewed on a couple greasy chip buddies as well um, on his way home after after a night at the bar. <laughs> um, so Sir Alex Ferguson really did love David Hurst and chased him down. And uh, there's an excerpt from Trevor Francis who wrote a book. Um, and so the star dot, the star newspaper in England kind of took an excerpt of it that I thought was, was an interesting insight just into Sir Alex, but also into the desperation that United had at this point to, uh, to try to sign, um, to try to sign David Hurst. So the, here's a quote, quote, Manchester United were following David for a while when Alex Ferguson was manager and I, I being Trevor Francis can still hear Alex now on my car phone exasperated with me because he had put in two offers, which I had knocked back. He then offered 4 million pounds. This is, this is 1992, I think. And with the hundred percent backing of the board, I told him we were not interested in doing anything with David Hurst. I refused 4 million pounds and Alex bellowed down the lo- down the phone in the Scottish accent Quote, do you realize this is Manchester United Football Club and you are stopping a player from going to Man United? I told him that Sheffield Wednesday were a big club, not as big as Man United, and that I was going to, I was continuing to look, I was I was looking to continue the improvements I was making and David Hurst was a big part of my plans. 
Um, so, and I guess on that phone call, as, as Sir Alex is bitching and moaning and yelling at Trevor Francis, <clears throat> his wife is also on the line and is kind of mortified at, at how her husband is being spoken to by Sir Alex. Uh, so, and as he, and then Ferguson wrote in his autobiography, I was keener on Hearst than even on Alan Shearer, which I, which I said earlier. So this guy was, was top notch. Um, he was a phenomenal player. Um, and like I said, in 90, they won a league cup, um, as a second division team. So second division team, obviously at this point is in 1991, they're in the second division. That's the second best league in England, but they finished third. They were promoted. They won the league cup um, the following year, 91, 92. They finished in third place. So they they won promotion and then went uh, to third place in 91, 92 um, and earned a spot in Europe. So it was a pretty a pretty quick rise for Sheffield Wednesday in those in those couple seasons. And David Hurst was a was a huge reason why he uh, why that why the club became so good. Um, but unfortunately, over time, uh, and actually, we can blame Arsenal a little bit here, Both. Nice. He was um, he was tackled in had his ankle broken in 1992. Uh, in a game at Highbury, um, and that was kind of the beginning of the end for for Hurst. He never really fully made it back as a as a as a first team player. Um, Mark Bright stepped in and and became the next star, scoring a bunch of goals in in the few seasons that that he was with with um with Wednesday as well. But he he just kind of fizzled out and <clears throat> was sold later on to uh, to Southampton um, and he only managed to play 30 games with Southampton over the course of three seasons and ended up retiring um, at age 32 in in 2000 and just kind of was what is one of those players that a lot of people wonder if he could have been if he could have been you know an Alan Shearer type if he had stayed healthy he could finish with both feet uh, he was strong. He was sturdy. He was um, pretty reliable, just as a goal scorer inside the box. Um, but he just he just didn't have just didn't have the luck with uh, with regards to injury. A, he, a little bit of Steve Koppel, who I know I talked about with with Crystal Palace, just very talented um, and also very unlucky. Um, and so he he speaks a little bit about his injuries and some of the regrets that he has. Uh, and and so a couple quotes that stood out to me as I read an interview that he gave, he he wrote he said quote I was a young lad we had a good drinking school and that was the environment I was brought up in, in a mining village you do twelve hours down the pit and then wash your mouth out with a nice cold one, that's what the miners would do I probably took it on board, the doctor would send me home with ibuprofen and I'd be thinking what's the point in giving me them you can't drink on them and I'm going out I had a drawer full of ibuprofen what was I supposed to do sit and cry about my injury. I don't like taking tablets even now. I'm not a big believer in tablets. If I had a headache, I had a, I have a glass of water. <laughs> Nearing fitness, Hurst would ignore medical advice to take it slowly and declare himself ready to play. So he'd rush back from injury. Um, and his son is also a, a very good player. I think he's he's probably 20, 21 right now. <clears throat> and he was playing in the in the juniors at Sheffield Wednesday and actually was being coached by David Hurst and Hurst Hurst wrote quote my lad's broken my lad's broken his hand and he won't play for six to eight weeks and I've told him well you don't play in goal and you don't take throw-ins so what's up with you it's only your hand just don't fall on it and George said to me the physio said you'd say that (laughs) that's amazing that's amazing so his kid his he's telling his kid to go out and play with a with a broken hand and he should be fine and the and the, <laughs> and the physio at the club is saying I know your dad's going to say already but this is the advice I'm going to give you, um, so he actually has kind of he was involved with the club after he retired he was a coach he was also just working in hospitality and I'm not really not really sure entirely what that means, but I I'm sure as a, as a, as a well-known kind of cult hero in the club, uh, he would kind of draw people to the stadium or, or just, you know, 
welcome people and, and just be part of the of the culture of the of the place. But he ended up leaving um, because his son was not uh, was not re-signed by the club. Uh, did not give his did not give George enough money in his mind. Uh, the negotiations fell through, and uh, he is now playing for a team that has a Leicester City connection in Belgium. But he's an exceptional. He's a very very good young striker. Uh, George Hurst um, has scored a bunch of goals for U twenty one and and had some good had a good World Cup for the under twenty one English team. So the Hurst name lives on, um, <clears throat> unfortunately, not with with Sheffield Wednesday, which which uh, upset a lot of people. And um, I think obviously you talked about the the money struggles, and they they just don't have the money to afford a guy who who could potentially actually make them a lot of money if they could sell him off, but they they couldn't do it. So David Hurst is just uh, a really interesting character. The champagne story blew my mind. Uh, the sliding doors of Sir Alex Ferguson wanting to sign him and and Wednesday standing pat and uh, and having a little bit of success in the early 90s. But then ultimately, you know, Hurst gets hurt and gets sold to Southampton for half the money that United were willing to sell. I think he sold he went to Southampton for two million um, and a couple years prior or four years prior. They could have gotten four for him. Um so you just you wonder those those little sliding door moments. Eric Cantona ends up in United. What happens to Eric Cantona? Um, what happens? Does Alan Shear become a target if they can't get? It's just it's it's another one of those little little moments that you that you wonder about. But Hurst was a phenomenal player. I will I will post a video of his 114 mile per hour volley that he hit. Is it um, Sean? Is it 114 miles an hour or 114 kilometers an hour? Maybe it's kilometers an hour. Because it's kilometers an hour because that would be um, that would be like seventy about seventy miles an hour, right? Yeah, thank you. Um, no, no, I mean, I, I, I just wanted to, I just wanted to, to just just confirm because under fourteen is like some like NHL levels uh, of speed. Yeah, that's like a slap shot. That's I mean, it's faster than any pitcher can throw a baseball too. Um, um I also have I have a question. Uh, that that bit about the 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 miners that that, that to me screamed Zoolander. <laughs> right, I got the black lung. <laughs> right, the black lung. It's like, all right, yeah. After mining, we're gonna go to this bar and watch and watch TV. Yeah, while, yeah. as drink beer, shot in a beer. Uh, right. Yeah. So uh, he he had a pretty. I don't know if he had. A, I didn't really see much about his upbringing, but I think Barnsley and is kind of a is a blue collar town, and he had a blue collar upbringing and. And beer was part of it, and uh, he definitely liked it. And it 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 probably harmed his his return to to play. Yeah. Right, he didn't take care of himself, and then would also rush back. Um, so those two things do not go hand in hand when you're when you're hurt, and you've got broken bones or bro or you know tendons and and issues like that. But he was a he was a great player. A, definitely a comet that kind of flew through the sky just pre Premier League. Um, and it was, was super talented. So I'll post some videos and I will post a video of his and, and the links to the interview. His interview is interesting. The cult hero, uh, the, just the whole man city, um, new year's day story is, is pretty great. And, uh, and yeah, that's David Hurst. Wow. Yeah. Um, Wow, I, I it's, it's the culture of of English soccer has has changed dramatically uh, <laughs> since since the time of of, uh, of of mobile phones in the car. Mm, I know, uh, but I mean, you know, <laughs> you got a guy, you got a guy who is drinking a bottle of champagne before a game. That reminds me of of that Lee Dixon story where he's like in in a in a team club room. Uh, drinking uh and then he co- comes on at liverpool and like plays plays a good game um like now it's like you know you got these guys who are uh foreign and coming in with like you know serious um personalized customized like drinks uh, that you that, that you that you pump you pump in before you step on in like the 60th minute and that and it's just a different era this different world now well i mean i've i've noticed it watching the last dance. Right. You know, right. it's the same, it's the same thing. It, it's, 
it's the nineties and the story is about Jordan kind of going off and drinking or playing golf and most likely drinking or going to the, going to the casino. And then you've got, you know, LeBron James now, who is the, you know, the, the one everyone wants to compare Jordan to, and he is spending millions upon millions of dollars on his body every year. And, you know, shutting off his phone during the playoffs and reading a, and making a point of showing off that he's reading a book um, and everything he puts in his body is extremely carefully picked out. And, and, uh, and, and it's just, it is like a different, it's a different world and it's not that long ago. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, there's probably stories now of, of players doing stuff like, like what, uh, what Hurston Lee Dixon did, but, Either they're they're better at hiding them, or they just happen they happen less often. Um, I mean, isn't isn't Usain Bolt famous for eating like twenty twenty uh, boxes of, of chicken nuggets uh, as he won the Olympics? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I've never heard that story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that 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 was in the 2012 Olympics. He had like half a second to give up, so he was fine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, what are you what are you giving your your hero as a as a ranking? I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Hurst I'm gonna give him an eight and a half, um, mm. mainly because he took he joined a club who was wallowing in just a lot of mediocrity. Had not won a trophy. He earned his team a trophy. He got his team into Europe. He scored a ton of goals, and I think left people wondering what could have been if he doesn't get hurt in 92. Um, he is most likely a player who scores a bunch more goals and plays for another eight years. I mean, he could have, he could have been another star of the nineties. Um, so I'm going to give him an, I'm going to give him an eight and a half. Uh, not so much because he's just this like bright shining star of a, of a soccer player, but because of what he did for, for Wednesday. Um, and and just the the hope. I mean, if you look if you look at the last thirty years of the club, this was the bright spot. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty sad. Um, okay, eight and a half. I think for me, that's like a B. I, I consider that a B. He's like a yeah, B. He's a B superstar. It's a, it's a solid B, though. Yeah. I mean, it, it, to have to have your son play at the club later on, um, you know, to be somebody that's like. Uh, in charge of hospitality, like you said, whatever that means. Um, yeah, that's, that's a strong B. Um, I think for me, if I were to rank my villain, I'd say uh, seven five or an eight. Okay. Only only because it's just a, a, a it's it, it's more just just embedded in their history. Um, or in, in their recent history of, of ownership, and we have, you know, we have um, this this never-ending loop of, of owners that that don't know how to run a club, and owners that that don't know how to um, take care of their of their people. Uh, so yeah, seven five. It's it's not necessarily um, a a horrible horrible villain story, but it is it is pretty. Um. Yeah, it's it's bad that that we're not going to see Wednesday anywhere near the Premier League for a long, long time. Yeah, he's he's like he's just representative of a really long run of of bad performances and bad choices. It, yeah, it's, it's it's almost it's in their blood now. Yep. Uh, so that, that's why I have it. I, I don't want to give it like a full a full nine or a full you know. Um, uh, 9.5 like evil villain kind of kind of rating. Um, it's just a bad guy that 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 fans that fans want out. Uh, fans don't like. Um, and you know, I I imagine that the next owner, if Chen Siri can sell the club, is going to be somewhat of of the same the same cloth, same mold. Yeah, you said it when you were talking just about <laughs> the process of finding owners and clubs like Wednesday or even even Sunderland they the first thing that they need is money right that's that is it and um you know like what's his name so Stuart donald is the sunderland owner and charlie methven is the was the was party boy 
as you like to call them. (laughs) Um, But, you know, they, they came in and they're the ones who had the money and were willing to, to be part of a community. And I think that's the other thing is a lot of these guys are good salesmen and can, can talk a good game for a few hours to a bunch of people, whether they're board members who are going to hire or let you buy the club or, um, or fans. And I, I just, it's such a hard, you're sitting you're sitting around like Stuart Donald was the only person who wanted to buy Sunderland. He was the only person. So at some point you're just like, well, this is the guy who we have to hire. We have to have to give our club to and hope that he can turn it around. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what, what kind of structures are are in place for certain clubs because some clubs are owned by the public. Yes. Uh, And, and, you know, and there's a lot more, uh, a lot more of a community, community approach to, to running a club. As opposed to just leaving it to some guy with a lot of money. But are there any teams like that in the Premier League? Are there any huh. publicly owned teams? I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know the answer to that question. No, I don't. I don't know. I don't know either. I, I'm gonna. I, I. I know there are some names that that would that would surprise us, um, and it, it might take us out of the Premier League. Um, but I, I do think there are some high profile, high caliber um, club teams that are publicly owned. Um, I would have to do my research offline though, to, and, and then get back yeah. to you. Yeah, it's worth it's worth checking out. Cool. Well, but I think we're I think we're on Blackbird next week. Yeah, and I've That's, got the villain. I, okay, I got I've got the hero. Um, I, I go back and forth between between having fun with the villain and and, and actually like being uplifted by the hero. So, <laughs> so we'll see we'll see who my who my hero is. Yeah, I could, there's a couple off the top of my head, but they're all from the early those '90s teams. Yeah, yeah. I I, I want to make a, a a quick plug. As a villain, please strongly consider whoever made that Venkies commercial. Um, for for Blackburn. Oh, just yeah, the 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 creative. <laughs> yeah, whoever like, the creative was, the the advertising company. Right, like whoever sat down in that room and said, "Yeah, we're gonna make this chicken commercial." Um please just consider that as like an honorable mention for, for a villain. Yeah, for sure. I want to see if I can find a player that the club hates. Yeah. That's like the one, that's the one thing we haven't, I haven't been able to find during it, looking at a villain. Right. I, I, and I really wanted to, 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 you know, talk about Steve Bruce today, but I just couldn't find a, a player or manager that like affected the club as, as, as much as Dave Allen or any of the owners. Yeah. Yeah, well, Blackburn, and then I think we finish with another Sheffield team. We talk about Sheffield United. That's the last. Those are our last two. Yeah. And then, uh, then we figure out where we go next. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, Both. Uh, be safe yeah. out there. Look after you yourself too. and your family. And um, happy Mother's Day to everyone. This all the moms out there this weekend. Uh, if any moms are listening to this podcast, I have no idea. Uh, and that's all I've got. Yeah. If there are moms on uh, listening to this podcast, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're from like the Midlands clubs and not <laughs> any, any Premier League teams clubs. Yep. Hard to say that. Uh, all right. Thanks, Both. We'll uh, talk to you next week. See ya. All right. Bye.